I'm Samantha Olds Fry, CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, and this is Sam Says, a podcast series focused on Illinois Medicaid managed care. Hello, I'm DeRondel Beverly with the Gemini Group, and welcome to Sam Says. On today's episode, we sit down with I'm Hip trusted partner Pat Shu and Jackie King of the Illinois Critical Access Hospital Network, also known as ICANN, to discuss how ICANN and I'm Hip are working together to address the healthcare needs of Medicaid members in rural areas. Pat, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about I'm I, I Can? You know, who is I Can? And let's we'll start there. Sure, happy to do that. Um, Illinois Critical Access Hospital Network, ICANN, uh, represents 57 hospitals in the state of Illinois. 51 of them are all the critical access hospitals. And then we have other six other small rural hospitals that are pretty well similar to the size of that. And ICANN started in 2003 as a group of 20 critical access at that time that said, hey, we think by us working together that we can you know, share resources, have educational events, maybe have some shared services and we could support each other. Well, at that point, I worked for the Department of Public Health and then they hired me to set up ICANN and, and we've just have grown from there. But the value of ICANN has been is it grew from 20 to more critical access hospitals to adding several um, rural hospitals is that we've really targeted um, ICANN uh, hospitals throughout the organization. You know, we have pharmacists that connect with pharmacists. We have business office people that connect with people, uh, business office, HIM, CEOs, and nursing, and so forth. And the value of ICANN is really operational support. We do some advocacy, and we work in collaboration with the Hospital Association, National Health Association, other groups. Well, we really are not a lobbyist organization, but really, we're really kind of uh, boots on the ground and operational. You know, we do um, manage a number of large grants for the Department of Public Health. Uh, we provide um, IT IT services support, security, and so forth. We um, provide, um, um, we're an HCAPS, a patient satisfaction vendor. We have an insurance program. We probably do about 120 educational events a year. We have um, at least 15 to 18 peer groups, and um, we have 45 listservs. So we have a wonderful communication tool and that's the value of ICANN is that we can get information out. Samantha will say, oh gosh, um, you know, I need to get information out to your hospitals. And so Jackie and I can use our listservs and get that information out. So ICANN has really become a, um, a source of communication and, and education for rural hospitals and their clinics and providers. So, you know, we're just, it's really their organization. We're just excited to be part of that. ICANN is actually located in Princeton, Illinois, which is in Bureau County, and it's a rural community. And, um, you know, you know, if you're going to be rural, you have to be rural. So, um, you know, so, you know, that's a little bit more about it, but I can answer other questions too, but that's the, 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 the real summary of the organization. And it is such a, a strong organization and the work that you, Pat and Jackie do is in my mind, truly a best practice of bringing along um, providers, educating providers, empowering providers to operate in the space and serve our Medicaid members. Um, you know, often we think of, I think when people think of Illinois, they think of potentially Chicago, maybe the suburbs. I know, we, I know, they forget really? about it. It's not right. I mean, <laughs> Illinois, what I always find fascinating is that Illinois is representative of the entire nation as a whole, and actually one of the best states um, that demonstrates the demographics of the United States. And what that means is we have large rural 
multiple swaths. And a lot of providers um, that are serving rural residents and a lot of rural residents that rely on the Medicaid program for their health care system. And so we don't have a strong Medicaid program if we don't have strong critical access hospitals. Let's just be perfectly honest and put that on the table. We are all vested in the strength and the um, success of these critical access hospitals. And, and Jackie talked about this at the beginning that when we transitioned to managed care, there, there was a lot of angst and a lot of concern. And that is because our critical access hospitals have fewer resources than our large suburban, our large city hospitals. And so, you know, navigating that change um, was, a, was a challenge because they didn't have the time to figure out what all these changes meant. and. I think for anybody, change is nervous, like change makes everybody nervous, but change when you feel like maybe you don't have the tools individually to succeed is hard. And what you guys did was you really stepped up and said, yes, I see that our individual critical access hospitals don't have these tools, but together we can get them for them and we can empower them. And now I would say, you know, our relationship with ICANN and the work that you guys have done have really put the critical access hospitals um, in a league of their own in terms of understanding the program. And I, I just really want to thank Jackie and you, Pat, for all that that, that you've been able to do there. Um, but with that being said, let's talk a little bit about what it is that makes critical access hospitals and rural providers different than um suburban or urban, you know, like city providers and sort of the, the atmosphere in which they operate. I'll just start and then Jackie can, can jump on with me. But um, what I think you alluded to at the beginning is the resources. You know, we have limited resources and, you know, you, you don't have a lot of, um, you know, department managers, people are working managers and so forth. So getting information out sometimes can be a challenge. If you if your biller doesn't show up that day to do Medicaid billing or is off on leave, you don't have anybody often to replace them. And that's a problem. And, you know, our hospitals, they might have a medical staff of um, maybe five to seven physicians and maybe another half a dozen nurse practitioners and PAs. And, you know, where you're looking at a large suburban or, or teaching hospital, you have hundreds and hundreds of, of providers. But so your, your resources are limited. However, in our rural communities, you know, we have this great outreach and we, we share and work together. Um, the hospital is the access point in our rural communities, and you talked about um, the rural part of Illinois, we serve about um, two thirds of the counties in Illinois as primary and emergency. There's 83 rural counties in Illinois, and we probably cover, um, you know, 60 to 70 of those counties as the sole access point. So it's very important that the rural hospitals, whether they're part of a system or independent, you know, have their, their um, they stay in, and maintain that, that service area. We also have limited social support, you know, um, transportation and other things like that, which are important to your Medicaid beneficiaries. That's probably the biggest challenge is, is all those social determinants, you know, having uh, mental health. We really lack access for inpatient mental health, sometimes getting people transferred to the right places and, and um, you know, getting support systems. Uh, we don't always have community workers to go out and check on um, people to make sure that they're getting their meds filled and things like that. I am seeing some of the hospitals use their EMS system 
you know, sending their MTs out and some other things, some creative things. But really, they're the focal point and the access point. And um, that's really the challenge is to keep that intact because of that. Jackie, you want to chime in, you know, too? Right. She lives in a rural community, too, north of me. So born, born and raised rural. That's where I'll stay. Love to visit Chicago, but would never live there. All right. Too much traffic. <laughs> So um, just to tag on to the limited, you know, lots of people wear different hats. Um, so your, your resource pool is low. Um, we, we have nobody that I know of has UR coverage over the weekend. So if you have somebody admitted, your pre-certs are coming in two and three days late, you're calling for prior auths, you're, you're fighting or trying to decide whether you're going to be in observation or you're going to be an inpatient and everybody's back's pedaling, we just don't have the staff. And we do have a turnover because we build these wonderful people up and uh, we love them. And then they grow wings and fly to a bigger hospital. And it's it's just the nature of where we're at. And we, we wanna keep them and um, we miss them and we wish them well, but the turnover uh, in IT um, and, and some of these uh, more administrative uh, areas, I think it is more so than even in the clinical areas, but um, it's just it's just the nature of rural. But we are a tight knit community. We do support each other. We we do have a different, completely different way of of, of reimbursement. You know, the cost based reimbursement with the rural health clinics and and the critical access hospitals is so different than the bigger PPS. Uh, little funny joke when I first started from a PPS world all all along into a critical access with the rural health clinic. I swore I was going to in trouble for fraud for about six months because I couldn't grasp it. But it's just a different methodology. I'm like, oh, I do not look good. There are plenty of, of, of control help out there, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> it's, yeah, okay, Jackie, it's okay, Jackie, it's okay. And it's, uh, you know, and then I've, I've just learned, you know, through through COVID, honestly, I've, I've learned, I've become very good friends with the HFS site um, and the uh, provider notices. And I've really had to, you know, for the group, help um, every time there's something new and people are struggling with the internal listservs. I've had really become friends with that and understanding the provider notices and all the handbooks. So it's raised my level of knowledge of all things Medicaid, just because I've had to try to keep things uh, for telehealth mainly was what my big task was. But through all of this COVID, it's, it's, it's really been, um, their website is good. They're doing a really good job with their communication as you are, Sam. Uh, but that's uh, that's just a whole new thing. You know, This everybody kind of learned something new this year. We wish we never had to learn, but we're there. So we're glad that's we learned. That's true. And you guys, we've been talking about this a lot, but do you guys see as we've transformed rapidly. So we transformed moving into a, a coordinated care system. That was a big change for hospitals, especially critical access hospitals. But now in the past year, our Medicaid program, you know, has just um, transformed rapidly with the expansion of telehealth. And, and how do you see that um, assisting or, or potentially um, presenting different challenges to your critical access providers um, you know, based on physician shortages, based on some of these things, do you think this will be a resource going forward to address some of the um, clinical limitations that we we know exist across the state, regardless of where you live, but definitely in the rural communities? Well, you know, the telehealth has really opened the world. Jackie and I have worked together on that. We've had kind of a task force within our own organization. How can rural respond? And um, challenges, you know, you want to make sure that you have competency and we have limited resources for training and that I do think in time it'll open more doors to specialty, but it also makes us a little nervous. We don't want, we want to make sure that we have patients that still stay home too. 
You know, we want to make sure that you don't want to outsource everything. You've got to have local support too. You've got to be able to have emergency department primary care because not everything is virtual. So as you expand and open the doors, that's wonderful. The other thing it's been able to do is provide access to hospitalists and it's kind of opened up some programs and, and to do that. Um, and EICU for, you know, specialty support. But you talked about the Medicaid beneficiaries. Um, it's been great to help them. We've had less no-shows, you know, you know, and that's a real plus. However, you know, not all our beneficiaries, Medicaid beneficiaries, have access to internet. You know, broadband is limited in our rural areas. Some people, especially the elderly, you know, aren't used to using that in the virtual. So, you know, we've got a long ways to go. But, you know, it's a great first step. And we finally came kicking and screaming into the telehealth century. So um, that's exciting about that. Jackie, you want to add anything to that? So, um, No, I think you've, you've covered it. I, I do feel like it has definitely expanded. And we would have never gotten this far had it not been for this pandemic. We would have still been in the dark ages. So it has it has value. And it has brought that value to the payers' eyes and, and the government's eyes it really does have a place in this world. Um, so I, I, I'm glad about that, but yeah, there's always two sides and we never want to lose that personal touch with our patients. And I think you really put that perfect touch on it. It expands access. It is a helpful tool. It can't replace that face-to-face -face interaction. It is not perfect. It comes with its own set of challenges. And it's really about navigating um, and using it as a tool in your toolbox, but not the entire toolbox. All right. We're going to have to leave it there. Pat and Jackie, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate uh, you taking the time and hope that you will be willing to come back and, and speak to us on future episodes. As Sam says, we hope that you will be willing to do that. We'd, we'd love to. We'd like to really talk about health policy. If you ever want to talk about that in rural health care and the needs that we have in the future and how trans, how we're going to transform to and work with Sam and her team as we really help benefit our, our local Medicaid beneficiaries. You know, they're very important to us. Fantastic. Thank you much. We appreciate it. Again, a special thank you to our trusted partners at ICANN, Pat and Jackie, for joining us today and taking some time out to talk with us today. Sam, give us a sense before we wrap uh, something that you learned today, something that you had not considered uh, during our talk with Pat and Jackie today. Absolutely. I always love talking with Pat and Jackie because I learn something new every time. And, and what I realized today is when I think about rural uh, providers, I often think of the shortages that they face with regards to clinicians and physicians. But what Jackie talked about when they face limited resources in terms of IT support, in terms of administrative billers, uh, that was really eye-opening and just reminded me of the the different of ex, the difference of experiences that rural providers have from those in the suburban and urban areas of our state. It was really just helpful to keep that in mind and put that in perspective for me. Okay, and we'll definitely be following that in the months and, and you know in the year ahead. If you like what you've heard today, we encourage you to visit the I'm Hip website at imhip.net to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today. And please like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. If you are interested in becoming a trusted partner like ICANN, I encourage you to reach out to I'm Hip's Chief Operating Officer, Elena Kennedy, or visit our website again at imhip.net. On behalf of Sam and the wonderful team at I'm Hip, I'm G. Rondel Beverly with the Gemini Group. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sam Says. 
we will talk to you soon. Please stay safe and please stay healthy. Thank you.